I was just thinking a moment ago about all that we've gone through in this last year and a half and how you've been so faithful to come to all these studies and through the heat, through the cold, in the dark of night, in the rain, you know, when we were outside and then we get to come in and we had to be all masked up. And uh, so it's, it's really an honor to be in your presence because you're a faithful woman of God and I cherish you with all my heart. Now, as Sally announced, I have the honor and the privilege to unwrap for us tonight the gift of prayerfulness. So let's bow our heads before and our hearts before our God and ask the Holy Spirit that he would come between you and me and that he would help us together to comprehend with all of the saints, not only the width and the length and the depth and the height of where prayer can take us, but also that great privilege that we have and the responsibility that we also have on behalf of those that we pray for. So let's bow before the Lord. Father, I just come before you, my God, and I bow before you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for I know that you are here. You have said that where two or three are gathered, that you will be here. And so I trust that. And then I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me, Lord God, to overflowing so that I can share these words with my sisters, Lord, and with anybody that would hear them, just how incredible you are and how awesome your word is and how we have this incredible privilege to come before you. So, Lord, may you be honored and glorified tonight in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Now, recently I heard an amazing message from a pastor in England. And he had said that the book of Ephesians has been described as the Grand Canyon of the Bible. And I've been to the Grand Canyon. And so when he said that, I can totally picture what he's saying. Have any of you ever been to the Grand Canyon? A couple? Well, it's a place that you have to travel for miles through the desert to get to it. There are people that fly here from around the world to go to see the Grand Canyon. And often people will take pictures of it and they will um, try to describe it to you. But until you come upon it and see it for yourself, and that's really what it's like when you drive through the desert and you come upon the, the Grand Canyon. When you're driving for miles, it's just barren desert, right? A few cactus here and there, some rocks and a lot of dirt. But then when you come upon the Grand Canyon, it is just indescribable. It is just so beautiful. I remember reading years ago that a tourist had asked a Grand Canyon ranger, how much time should he expect to spend there? And the ranger said to him, go home. If you have to ask about time, you, the canyon isn't for you. It's the kind of place you have to spend time and gaze upon it. Well, it takes time to explore the riches of God's word on every topic that we've taught on. So just like the Grand Canyon has various ways to see it and to experience it, so does the Bible when it comes to prayer. 
it's vast. There are so many ways you could approach prayer. And I am not kidding you when I say that I was on the mountain with Moses, just like we just sang. I was on the mountain with Moses looking into how we could approach God. I was in the belly of the great fish with Jonah until finally the Holy Spirit led me to this Grand Canyon prayer from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, before we get into this incredible prayer, I first want to remind you of who you are and how we've received this great privilege and honor to come before our God, become, to go into the throne room of God. Have you ever really considered that? Our prayer life can take us from earth into heaven. Most people don't go there until they've left this earth permanently, but we can go there through prayer. Now, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you have been given the priceless gift from God to come directly to his throne through Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, it says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Now, a mediator is somebody that goes between you. Jesus has gone between us and the Father. Nobody can come to the Father, as I said, without coming through Jesus. Now, a ransom is the cost to release someone from their captivity, right? Well, our captivity was sin. When we accepted Jesus as our Savior, he took away our sin and he made it possible now to approach a holy God. Because he is holy, he took our sin upon him which we didn't deserve, and now he's made us able to come before the king. It's not that we've earned this privilege, nothing that we can ever do, nothing we could ever accomplish in this life that would bring us to the presence of God. We've been granted through the precious, priceless blood of Jesus, our Savior, God's only Son. And when, when Jesus rose from the dead, it says in Hebrews 7.25, that he now lives in heaven, making intercession for us. Picture that. That is a Grand Canyon thought in my heart and mind. Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Savior, stands before the throne of God. And when we pray or whatever we do, God, Jesus is there representing us. The Father doesn't bring down wrath on us because Jesus bore that wrath already. So he is there making intercession for us with our prayers. And he lives there to do it. Now, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to John 17, 13 through 24. And I want you to listen to a part of Jesus' prayer for us. I'm reading it in the New Living Translation because I want it to be as as simple as possible. In verse 13, Jesus is praying to the Father. And he says, now I am coming to you. 
Of course, this is prayers right before the cross. And I told them, he said, many things while I was with them in the world so that they would be filled with my joy. Jesus came to fill us, not empty us, to fill us with his joy. And I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Who is the evil one? The devil. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is true. Just as I have sent, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. The truth is our holiness comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. And then I love verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, those that were around him, the apostles of his time, but also for all who will ever, ever believe in me through their message. The gospels, right? The Bible, through the epistles, through the Bible, we have that message. And I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in, and I am in you, I may them, and may they be in us, so the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. Notice he keeps emphasizing the oneness. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, I love this, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that your love, you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want them, these whom you have given me, to be with me where I am. And where is Jesus? He's in heaven. That is his prayer, that we will be with him in heaven. They can, then they can see all the glory that you gave me because you love me even before the world began. So our creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is also the captain of the army of God, is praying for us. And you better believe it, that his prayer will be answered. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Paul wrote, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price, the price of Jesus' blood. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God wants us, Jesus, or Paul is asking us here that we would glorify God in our outward body, in the, in the way we treat our body and what and all that we do, and also in our souls. There are things going on within our souls that need also bring glory to God. So God the Father said, I will never leave you. Jesus said, I will be with you always. The Holy Spirit is our spiritual helper. He lives within us. He teaches us. He guides us through this life's journey. And the best of all, he convicts us of sin. Now, why is that the best of all? Because sin separates us from God, right? Well, the Holy Spirit is always set on answering Jesus' prayer that I just read. 
He is set to bring us into that oneness. And he's going to do everything within his power, which he's, he's got all the power. He's part of the triune God. So he is going to do everything in his power to keep us right, to keep us in the word, to keep us on our knees, and to convict us of our sins, to keep us in the oneness. So if you are in Christ and then Christ is in you, that puts us in the constant presence of God. We need to be mindful and reverential to this fact that we are the temple for the living God and for his glory 24-7. We are never to forget this fact if you are in Christ. You are the temple for the living God. Now, there are many notable prayers in the Bible that teach us how to pray for ourselves. But tonight... As much as I would love to bring up many of them, which they are, many of them are in the Psalms, and you can, you can read through the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the prayers of the saints. They're incredible, and they help me to remember. I mean, God put these in his word for us to know them. And so when we hear, read these prayers, it, it helps to strengthen us because we are praying with the brethren. But we're going to spend the rest of the evening now focusing on how we are to pray for others. Remember, that's what this is about. Gifts that we have received from the Lord for giving to others. So let's look now at Ephesians chapter 3, this Grand Canyon prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed, starting in verse 14. Paul says, and kind of goes in line with what I've just shared. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though we don't see it often anymore, bowing before our God on our knees is still the most humble way to approach our God. And uh, it used to be many years ago when uh, I was first, when I first started with Calvary Chapel, we are all on our knees. And it was really a beautiful sight. But uh, it, it isn't the easiest in church anymore. But when you have your own private prayer life, it is a place that we should mindfully approach the Lord. Never be afraid to go on your knees before God. Well, unless you have bad knees. <laughs> he is our king, right? And don't people bow before a king usually? There is no human cause and there is no worldly leader that is, ever deserves that kind of reverence. Only the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 15 says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named the name of Jesus. Now, our family consists of every man, woman, and child who are in Jesus Christ, whether they reside here on earth or they reside in heaven. Now, to me, this is another one of those Grand Canyon statements. When you think of the family of God, you have to be mindful of the fact that that means everybody, the whole family of God. Past, present, and future. Now, when I think of the family of God from the past, I'm going to be in the presence one day of Moses, and Abraham, and Paul, and Peter, and John, and, and so many more saints that we've never even heard of. Nameless people who fought the good fight all their lives and walked with the Lord. They are part of our family. Now, here on earth, 
We have last names that identify who we are. But God sees us as one, bearing only the name of Jesus. He doesn't see race. He doesn't see ethnicity, social status, whether we're rich or or we are poor. He only sees Jesus. And we bear that oneness with Jesus. So he sees us in Jesus. Now, back in September, um, you know, just being mindful of, of the brethren, when we were on lockdown, that's what I call it, lockdown, um, I was on YouTube a lot just looking for things. And, and I, I came upon this amazing scene. There was... 1,435 Taiwanese being baptized. They had gotten the word of God to them. They were setting up evangelistic teams in the midst of COVID, going to these small villages and telling them we're going to meet at a certain place, hear the word, and we're going to have a baptism. And it's like every village came and all of these people. And so at a time, I mean, I was just crying with joy to see this picture because we weren't gathering in church, but the word of God was still being preached and people were still coming to the Lord. That was the most incredible picture. And now all these 1,435, and I'm sure many more since, are part of the family of God. Isn't that incredible? Do you ever consider how large our family really is? And so often I know the enemy wants you to think you're all alone, that you have nobody. That's a lie. He wants you to feel lonely and empty and you have anyone, but that is a lie. You need to come into the body of Christ. You need to come in and be a part of this huge family that we have, past, present, and future. Verse 16 says that he, Jesus, would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man. Now that word might in the original Greek is dunamis, which also means dynamite or miraculous power. Now you're going to notice in this prayer, in this Grand Canyon prayer, that Paul only keeps two things in his view. It's not our worldly needs or our burdens, It's not our illnesses or our trials. God knows, as we know, that he knows what we have need of even before we ask, right? In Mark 8, 36, Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? So in God's eternal plan and his purpose, in the grand plan of it all, it is not about our needs, it's about our souls. He wants to have our hearts, and our souls. You see, we can't escape having our needs, burdens, illnesses, trials, or even death. So the Apostle Paul gives us the ideal points that we should be praying for, for not only ourselves, but especially for one another. That God's will would be done and not ours. Because we really don't know the whys and the how comes in God's perfect will for each of us, do we? We don't. But one thing we can know, that if we pray as Paul did in this prayer, and in this passage, we will be in perfect harmony with the Holy Spirit as we pray for others. And that's why the Lord brought me to this particular prayer. Now, 
We can do our part, however, as the Holy Spirit leads us to love on people, to help people in their time of need. We can console people with the word of God. We can encourage them in the faith. We can exercise all the gifts that we've already studied and taught on, which I encourage you to, to look them up, to get the CD, whatever you need to do to hear them, because they were, they were such a blessing. And they are the gifts that God gives us to help others, to, that we have, that we, he wants us to express to others. And, um, but we have been given this inner miraculous power that we can come to the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where prayer is vital for others. This inner miraculous power that, that our brothers and our sisters need, that we need. They need that to overcome the trials that are happening upon many people. Now, I don't know if you know it, but I have witnessed the, this power, this dunamis power, in many saints over the years. Have any of you? Have any of you witnessed the dunamis power of people that uh, can overcome such horrendous trials? Well, I have. And more recently, I've witnessed it in my dear sister, Belin and my sister, Ginger. They, like thousands of people around the world, including my sister from birth, had to let go of their husbands to COVID-19. Now, COVID-19 is a phrase that we will never forget. In this last year and a half, I have, it has been the most faith-shaking, intercessory prayer time of my life. I prayed for our brothers and for my brother-in-law and for many without ceasing. Doesn't the Bible tell us to do that? Pray without ceasing. Never stop. That's that 24, 7, I mean, I'm sorry, what is it? Anyway, 24 hours a day. <laughs> Staying in that presence of the Lord. Well, I did. I would wake up in the middle of the night and, and the first thought would be our brothers. Pray for them. My sisters who are suffering. Their families. And so we would pray <clears throat> without ceasing. I would even tell the Lord. I kind of made try to make bargains with the Lord. Um, I said, Lord, in one of my prayers, do you know that if you were to save these guys, these amazing servants who love you so much and have dedicated their lives to you, if you would save them, if you would spare them this disease and they would come out and just show everybody your healing power, that they would bring so much glory and honor to you for your glory, Lord. But it didn't work out that way. But then the Lord reminded me one, one of those nights, for who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For him, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, we can't counsel the Lord. He is the most wisest of all. What can we counsel him what can we bring to him? Does he owe us anything? No, we owe him everything. And so COVID-19, the Lord showed me, <clears throat> has been a pathway for many to enter into eternity. Though it was a painful way, it is not the only painful way. Look at the painful way Jesus 
went into eternity. It's that same suffering that we often have to go through. But it was a pathway for them. And so the Lord showed me for of him, they were saved. For through him, they lived their lives of faith and service faithfully to the Lord. And to him, they are now enjoying what we all should be longing for, to be in eternity with our Savior. And they are experiencing what we are supposed to be longing for. Now, as with dynamite, it just blew me away to see how my sisters have manifested this great power that Paul is praying for the church, that we need to be praying for the church because we don't know what is happening tomorrow. The government has no idea. They flip-flop on everything. We just don't know. And so he is praying, we need that power. Now, they are a witness to how women of faith in Jesus' promises helps them to overcome shock and sadness and even death. It was shocking. I remember when I heard about my brother-in-law, he was healthy. So it was just shocking. And our sisters and many of us are, are overcoming that shock, right? In fact, in reality, we shouldn't be shocked. Didn't Jesus say, in this world you will have tribulation? But what? Be of good cheer. He overcame, we can overcome. Now, our sisters and many others around the world have a long way to go to heal. But I am confident as they um, boldly go before the throne of grace for strength, the Lord will meet them there and he will fill them there. He's not going to fill them through us. He's going to, he is going to be one to fill them. Now, how am I confident to say this? Because I have experienced the faithfulness of our Lord over and over and over again. He is the real deal when it comes to keeping his promises. And this is a promise that he will help us to overcome. Now, I want to read the next uh, verse 16 again and uh, through verse 19 in the New Living Translation. So Paul prays, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, remember that, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. And that's where we need our strength, through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. See, the Lord wants to be in a house in our soul that trusts and believes. He will not force his way into a life of an unbeliever. He wants to see that you love him, that you believe in him, that you trust him. And then he will make his home in you. And your roots will go grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, when you see the roots of a plant, a little plant, they have little roots. And those little roots, they're just little roots. But over time, they get bigger and stronger, and they go down deeper and deeper into the soil. And as they do, the plant gets bigger and bigger. And that's how the Lord wants us to experience his love. His love is experienced in some of the most difficult ways in how he helps us out of our trials and our tribulations. 
And as we understand, come to understand this incredible love, which is incomprehensible often, it is, it is so amazing that when you, each time you, you experience a trial, your root goes a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper until you get stronger and stronger. And may you have the power to understand, that's what we need, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. It is, the Grand Canyon is incredible. And I was thinking about it, if anyone were to try to fill that with something, and of course, my mind went to chocolate kisses. If, if somebody were to fill that with chocolate kisses, I don't think the world has enough chocolate kisses to fill in the Grand Canyon. Well, the Grand Canyon is minute compared to this love of God that's so vast. Nothing could ever compare to his love. And then he says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Complete. So often, many of us don't feel complete. In fact, the enemy wants us to not feel complete. He wants us to feel like failures so that we would give up. But as you pursue your relationship with the Lord, and as the Lord is pursuing you, and trust me, he is. He wants to complete you. Now, instead of focusing on COVID-19, we need to focus on this love that Paul is talking about, describing here in Ephesians 19. Take away the COVID-19, focus on Ephesians 19. You see, we can talk about how Jesus demonstrated his love for the world when he came down, put on the flesh of a man, and died on the cross. And the cross is the, represents that death that Jesus died for us once and for all, right? No other sacrifice. He was the final and the, the only sacrifice that could deliver us once and for all. And when I was thinking about the cross, it reminds me of that song. Remember the old rugged cross? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. Well, that's what that cross represented. But does the cross feel so far away? So far away that you can't even understand it. You can't see it. You can't hope in it. You just feel so alone. You feel so desperate. Well, we need to fully understand really the measure of Jesus' love and how that cross translates into our daily lives. How is that possible? How can the cross translate into our daily lives? Well, the best way that I could explain it, and you don't want to hear it like this, but it's the truth, is in the sufferings. James, in James 1, 2 through 4, James said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I never consider it an opportunity. Well, I, I should say it like this. I had never considered an opportunity for joy. But I can tell you that when I have gone through things, and I have, and I still will, I can see what he's talking about. I know what he means about the joy. It is not what we would look at as happiness. It is a joy that can only come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is an indescribable joy. 
It is something that I can tell you, but you won't get it until you get it. Verse 3 says, for, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And didn't we just talk about the roots growing? Well, endurance can grow. That's what happens to the plant. I, I believe it was Sally that talked about this. The plant now can take the pressure of the elements, of the weather, of the wind, of uh, whatever comes against that plant. The roots are down deep, and, and, and through those difficult seasons of our life, we are able to now overcome them because our roots are going down deep into the love of God. And how do we know the love of God? Because he brings us through every one of our trials. So let it grow, he's saying. I like the way he put this in the New Living Translation. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Gosh, I lack so many things. In fact, the more I I read the word, the more I come to know who Jesus is, the more I realize how much I lack. And I want to grow. I want to be, I want to be finished. So that when the Lord says, you're done, come on up. I am ready. I am finished. And where I didn't get finished off, well, it'll happen as I go through the gates, I'm sure. Now, when we think of a person praying, we may think of their posture. There's the person that is praying on their knees, as I said. It's a humble way to pray. We may think of a person standing up with their arms lifted up to the Lord. That is a bold way to pray. It's an unashamed way to pray. A lot of times, um, unfortunately, um, we are a little inhibited to raise our hands because, you know, we don't want anyone to, to just really focus on us. Well, we shouldn't be. We should be focusing with our eyes closed and, and, and worship and praying, whatever, when we're coming into God's presence. But that's an unashamed way to pray. We may pray, uh, think of somebody sitting in a chair praying, uh, covering their faces. This is determined prayer. And that's the way I pray often. In the morning when I get up and I, I literally have to cover my face like this. Because if I open my eyes and I see dust or I'll see the laundry or I'll see something and I'm like, oh, I gotta, sorry, Lord, I got to go. And so I cut my prayer short. And so I have to cover my face or get in a closet. Whatever you have to do, I have to do that. And it reminds me of a story that I heard many years ago um, of an evangelist preacher, amazing teacher, Jonathan Edwards, and his wife, Sarah. They had 13 children. She had told the kids, when you see mom sitting in that corner in that chair, she had her own chair, you see me in that chair with my apron pulled over my head. Now, this is in the days when women wore aprons. Walk the other way, quietly. Leave me be. And so the kids were trained. Mom's in the chair. Get away. She told them, if you don't walk away and give me my time alone with the Lord to sit with him, you're going to regret it. Because isn't it when we come into the presence of God that and we bring all of our burdens to him, we bring all of our cares to him, <clears throat> we're supposed to leave them there and then go about our day. Well, we can see the outward posture of a person in prayer, but God sees the inward posture of our hearts. He knows where we are standing. 
Now, if you are not coming to the Lord in prayer daily and filling up on our daily bread, his word daily, that means that you could have an empty spot within your souls. And whenever there's an empty spot in our souls, because remember, he wants to fill us up. But if we are not being filled up, there's an empty spot there. And the devil sees it as an opportunity to slip in to steal whatever joy you may have, whatever peace you may have, and whatever faith that you may have. In 1 Peter, Peter wrote in chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. And I love this because, you know, Peter, he got himself in trouble, right? Didn't Jesus tell him? Remember when Jesus went to the garden right before the cross? He brought the disciples with him and he told Peter, watch and pray. And so what did he do? He went to sleep. And Jesus had approached him a couple of times. Are you still asleep? Wake up, Peter, lest you, you fall into temptation. And he did. So he has the authority to write this, what he said, because he knows and he wants us to know. He said, be sober. In other words, have sound mind. Be vigilant. Don't give up. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy wants to devour us. He wants to eat us up and destroy us and spit us out. He tries to tempt us with things in this world that are, are very alluring. But remember, it's a lie. It's a, it's a trick. It's one of his tactics to get us away from our God. So that now he leaves us out in the wilderness to do nothing, to have nothing. So Peter says, resist him steadfast. How? In the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Remember, I talked about our brotherhood in the world. Think about the disciples who suffered deeply by the hands of the world and by the hands of the devil. Not because they sinned, but because the devil brought them to that place of torture and torment. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after, get this, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, have you noticed that I keep emphasizing that these are things we are to be praying for our sisters? That they, first of all, that they grow in their knowledge of the Lord. But in the days we're living in, there's just so much going on. So many fears and trials and struggles that, that we all go through. That we should be praying this for ourselves as we are rooted and grounded in the Lord. But for them as well. That they will have this kind of progress. And as I said, sufferings and trials and temptations is part of what we will all experience. Whether we are Christians or not. There are... Everyone is going through things. It's not just people that trust in God. But Romans 8, 28 says, But we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 29 gives us the purpose, to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know this? Do you know that Jesus is allowing us to go through trials and tribulations and all these things to conform us into the image of our Savior. Isn't he a victor? He conquered death. He conquered 
sin. And that's what he wants us to be. That kind of strong individual that can conquer the things of this world. Now listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. This is incredible. This is at the beginning of the chapter, which I didn't cover. But he said, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety of all the un- to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God wants to show the angels and the devil and his demons the reality of his beautiful plan that Satan has no power over us because the power of Jesus is within us and it's to show them you have no power with my people. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now to me that's incredible. We are not only to be a witness to the world so that they could see Jesus in us, so that they could know that we are, are tapped into the Almighty God. But we are on display to glorify Jesus that the devil can see it, that his demons can see it. And I believe when the angels see it, they are celebrating. Because I, I just remember we did a play, a drama, um, many years ago. And um, one of the songs that we, we used was, this angel that was singing, will they love him? Will they take care of him like I do? The angels in heaven serving their king, their, their God is going to earth. And so the song in our play was, will they love him? Will they take care of him like I do? And so when the angels see how we are embracing our Jesus and loving on him and him loving on us, and we displaying his righteousness in our daily lives, I believe they're celebrating. And they are so, you know, just to see every life come to the Lord is a celebration to them. In fact, it says when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. But the devil and his demons, they're disgusted by it. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus says, this is, this is in future tense, by the way. This is the future. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, have you noticed that Jesus grants things to us? He gives us promises and he keeps them. In Hebrews 11.6, 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that word diligently. It's not when you fill up to it. It's not when the weather is right. It's not when you have something better to do. It's not when, um, you know, everything's going smooth in your life. It is diligently through good times and through bad times. We are to come to the Lord. And we are to pray that our brothers and our sisters, who we often see not diligently doing these things, pray for them that the Holy Spirit will remind them. Now, we have opportunities to share with our brothers and sisters who are not, but often they don't want to hear it from us. And so we, but they, I believe the Holy Spirit will chase them down. I know he chased me down when I didn't want to hear from anybody. And it was the Holy Spirit that pursued me. I can't give credit to anybody, really, 
for following hard after me to bring me back into that right relationship with the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit. So I can vouch for the power of the Holy Spirit that he will pursue you and he will come after you and he will convict you and he will bring you back in. Now we have rewards, as the word tells us here, and we will receive them, whether they're, they're here on earth or we will have them in heaven. But either way, we are winners in Jesus Christ. Now, over this last year and a half, I have seen um, many emotions flying around. But fear was the number one emotion. Fear will make us so unstable. Fear debilitates us. It can then transform itself into anxiety and into depression and then finally into backsliding. First John 4.18 says, there, John said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, and that perfect love is only from Jesus, casts out fear because fear involves torment. Jesus didn't come into this world to torment us. Now, he will allow trials to build us up and to and, uh, give us that endurance, as I shared, and to increase our faith, but he didn't come to torment us. He came to save us. In John 10, 9 through 11, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I will, I will go in and out. I'm sorry. And you will go in and find in and out and find pasture. Now, the pasture speaks of that place of serenity, that place of peace. So when you have this relationship, you can come in to be in his presence and go out and in having that presence and that peace within you. And you can come into that place where, where you can find rest in him. So often, so many people right now are restless. They're anxious. Um, what do we do next? What do we do next? I mean, things are calming down, but not for everybody. There are still people that are struggling. In fact, this, this COVID has really driven them into a place that they didn't know they could go. But God uses all things to show us really who we are and what we're made of, to test our faith, to see if we are in the faith. And then that's when you can discover, man, I am falling short in this area or that area. And the Lord wants you to know that so that you can be made right here now. Because that can't go up to heaven. Perfection is in heaven, right? He wants to perfect us here. And he does that in, in the most peculiar ways, but... But I, I can vouch for the Lord, they work. And then it's that Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He has given himself for us so that we can have the abundant life. If, and the abundant life isn't about abundance of things. It's about the abundance of peace and joy and, and all the gifts that we've been teaching on. That abundant life that is in you when it's so overflowing, it just pours out to everybody. And that's what God wants, right? He sent his son to die for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. Who can we impact by the power that is working in us and through our prayers? 
And then I love Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a psalm typically we share at uh, memorial services or funerals. But the two verses that I just love is verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I love that. He makes me lay down. As I said, we could be restless souls, right? Just got to do this, got to do that, got to go here, got to go there. And But he makes us lay down. Um, have you ever been made to be laid down by the Lord? I have. And it's incredible. It's, he gives us um, the liberty to lay down. In ministry, I didn't lay down much. I was boom, 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 going, going, doing this, doing that. But it was just too much. And the Lord said one morning when I, I could barely get out of bed, my Lord, it's Sunday, it's Sunday. He goes, lay down. I give you permission. You can miss today. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. I was out. <laughs> but the Lord sometimes will make us lay down so that we can rest in him, be revitalized in him, to get back out. And then verse 5, it, it says, wait a minute, back to 2. He leaves me beside still waters. I love that. I love the ocean. I love water. I love swimming in it. And when it's crazy rapid, it's hard, but it's still waters. You could just gently get into it and enjoy his still waters where you can fill your soul up with that refreshing water of the word of God. So a lot of times when he's having us lay down and rest, that doesn't mean we take a vacation from the word of God. He wants us to fill up our souls with his word and his promises so that we can do the next thing. He restores our souls, right? It's the word of God that restores our souls. And then the number verse five, David prayed, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That to me is incredible because I love to set a pretty table. Can you imagine the creator of heaven and earth creates this beautiful table? This is the way I see it in my mind. And he sets it in. On one side is Jesus. On the other side is me. And I picture us holding hands and just looking into each other's faces and gazing upon each other. And, and I'm, Lord, oh, this is incredible. This beautiful table. And it's you and me, Lord, just you and me. But in the meanwhile, all around us, there's chaos. There's craziness. There's kids running around. There's the enemy, the devil out there just waiting to shoot some darts at me. But the Lord brings us to this place of peace in him. The oil in the scriptures often represents the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. That's the Holy Spirit. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. I like that because the world, when the Lord, when the world wants to give us a form of peace, what do they give it? How do they give it? I mean, in a pill box, right? Or in a puff of smoke or in a, a drink. Those are all temporary ways to find peace. You'll still wake up the next day with the same issue, with no power to fight those issues. But the, Jesus is promising us here 
I am leaving you with my peace, not as the world gives. Then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's in John 14, 24. That is one of those Grand Canyon promises. Now we have one last study, as Sally mentioned, and that will be on the gift of peace. So I hope and pray that you come back so that you can get a full message on peace, the gift of peace. But in closing, now let's look at verses 20 to 21 in Ephesians. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory, where? In the church, in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we, I live by these words and I hope that you all are living by these words. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. Now, that word ask means prayer. When we ask, Lord, I, I need strength to get through this today. I, I can't even imagine having this surgery without you. I can't even imagine um, starting this new job without you. I can't imagine having to deal with my son or daughter who is um, on drugs or is just going the other way without you. I need you. And so he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. <clears throat> and how we can go all the way through these things is through the power of God that works in us. That blows my mind. The power of God is in us. It's not like we don't have any power. <clears throat> when a Christian says, I can't, it's because we aren't connected to the power source. We have somehow disconnected ourselves, either by sin. It could even be by sorrow. We can just disconnect. Or it could be by suffering. Now, remember, Jesus didn't leave us. Jesus didn't leave us. He said he will never leave us or forsake us. We are the ones that leave him. <clears throat> but we have this unlimited resources available to us that have been gifted to us by the Holy Spirit. And we've already taught on many of them, as I keep saying. But I want to reiterate to you that Jesus has more. We didn't even cover as many gifts as there can be covered because he is infinite. And so there's infinitely more that can be taught. And I'm sure that, like with me, who <laughs> I could have kept you for hours teaching this Grand Canyon message, but I'm sure I'm already running out of time. So one last thing. Now, there are many ministries that we can serve God in, unless a pandemic were to shut us down. And it did, right? But the one most powerful ministry that can never shut down is the ministry of intercessory prayer. The beauty of prayer is that you could pray anytime, anywhere, no matter what your circumstances are. You could even live in a country that forbids prayer. But no one can come between you and God and your faith in God, in your heart and in your mind, when you have access to this unlimited relationship and this unlimited access with Jesus. Do you believe this? 
Jesus asks, do you believe this? If you do, you're plugged in. Now, the Apostle Paul said, brethren, pray for us. There are many spiritual leaders working hard to get the gospel message to the world. And a lot of us old generation, um, we had to adapt to this new way of of, um, being filmed. Um, I'm not even aware of that anymore, thank God, because I am not a selfie person. I don't do that. (laughs) The idea of getting in front of a camera horrifies me. But I will do anything for the Lord to give him, to get this word out. And that's what a lot of these pastors have had to do. They've had to put their messages online and all these social media ways. Well, um, pray for them. It's not easy, especially the old guys. The new guys, I mean, well, they're used to it, right? They're used to getting on computers and doing all these things. We have a lot to learn. And do you know that as leaders, as teachers of the word of God, we have a huge bullseye on us, on our heads, on our hearts, and on our feet. If by the enemy, the enemy wants to take us out. If he can take us out in whatever way possible, then how many will we take out? Especially if it's because of sin, if a leader falls in sin. But the, you know, many churches, I heard that 20% of churches are not going to open up again. Whole congregations are gone. Now, I hope that they're finding their way to another congregation to be a part of the body there. But that's the work, I believe, from the enemy as well. Fear, again. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good news. I'd say I gave you good news tonight that we have this unlimited resources in Jesus Christ who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So I hope that if any of you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are, or maybe you have, and you are walking around empty and dried up, come to the well. The well is the word of God. Come and be filled by the Holy Spirit. Let him rejuvenate you so that you can be this shining light on the dark hills that are around us and that the the Lord can use you in a powerful way. You know that the world can be turned upside down by 12 guys. He can turn upside down your community, just you. He's done it and he wants to do it again. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would... um, Take this message, Lord, and that it would penetrate deep into the hearts of my sisters, including myself, Lord, that I will not forget these words, that they will not, Lord. Lord, anything unnecessary, Lord, just remove it. I'm okay with that. And may you be glorified now and forevermore. I pray, Jesus, as we bow before you, our Savior, thank you for your blood. I thank you for the cross. Help me to always see it, Lord, ever before me. It's more than just wood. It's where you died for me and for the world, Lord. And so I love you and I praise you. And I thank you for the worship, Lord, that we can now go out singing hallelujah to you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.